Hey Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. I am Matt Pinson, here with David Sessions, and we are joined today by our resident accountant and basketball expert aficionado. Those are the same word, aren't they? Expert and aficionado. I think the emphasis is important. It, it gives it more You're emphasis. an expert and an aficionado. Yeah. And you're a resident. I think that's the word that I was searching for. Cool. I'll take it. Um, Nathan Sanders. And we're excited to have him. Excited to be here, gentlemen. Are you excited, David? I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Sometimes, I don't know if you can hear it on the podcast, but sometimes we have to get over a little bit of the giggles <laughs> as we begin each week. <laughs> Especially when we're with our friends like yep. Nathan. Yep. Awesome. We're a little bit better when we're when we're talking to Mike Cope and Randy Harris and David Ray. Not that they aren't our friends; they are good friends, but we respect them a lot, and yeah. we don't hold you in those same regards, Nathan. <laughs> not that I would I would even expect you to. I'm in a completely different stratosphere. No less caring, just slightly more professional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. So we. When we started this podcast, David, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about was we knew people and we loved people, and we were people in some cases, who had gone through seasons of deconstruction or disorientation or disequilibration, mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to to create a space where we could talk about those things, yeah. where we could where we could uh, express that when you were going through those seasons, it you weren't in a place where you had to choose a man or on out. Yeah. But that any faith that is going to grow and evolve sometimes has to ask questions and be confused and, and work things out for themselves. Yeah. I would change that lessons to must do those things. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think we were talking about the beginning of this podcast in the middle of the pandemic and, there's just a lot of negative narratives mm-hmm. about church, about Highland. And you and I were kind of in this place of bewilderment with that because we go, we hear people's best stories. Sure. And we hear people's sad stories and, and, and heartbreaking stories too. But when you actually hear what God is doing in someone's life, uh, it gives you so much more hope for the church. And you re- start realizing that all the kind of human instrumentation of the church is one thing and it's probably what people get most frustrated about but it's not even close to the most important thing which is sharing the good news of what god is still doing in people's lives and we wanted to hear in stories of disorientation how god was actually joining people and walking Mm -hmm. with them and yeah if you haven't if you haven't gotten a chance to go back and listen to some of the first several episodes of the podcast i'd encourage you to go back and hear from some of those people if you can make it through us learning how to record things. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories are really neat. And one of the things that came out of those stories is we realized that a lot of one question that seemed to be consistent was like, how do I talk to God? Yeah. How do I engage in uh, prayer? What does prayer mean? What does it mean when I feel like me and God are on the same page about something that's good? And, um, and so we wanted to talk to some of the people in our church who are have dedicated their lives to the study of that sort of thing. Yeah. We talked to Mike Cope and Randy Harris and David Ray. If you haven't listened to those, I'd encourage you to listen to those. But now, David, tell us about what's next. 
What's our next chapter on the podcast? Yeah, so the next chapter, and the reason why we invited Nathan here today is because um, we want to get into those stories that um, we so seldom um, ask people for for reasons of, I don't know, properness or or um, because it's just not a question we normally ask. But we wanted to get real specific with people about when was a time you undeniably saw God moving in your life. Because I think it's at the heart of the gospel, so which is at the heart of why the church exists, is like God did not create, God creates. <laughs> uh, God did not save, God saves. And the, uh, the principal um, uh, testimony of the Old and New Testament is that God is the God of action verbs. And that God is still moving and enacting in, in, in our lives. And so... Um, We'll get more into this, I think, maybe in a preview or in a in a recap uh, episode that we're planning. But um, there's the kind of this phenomenon that um, we're interested in of you know sometimes some of the most skeptical among us are are going, yeah, I don't really know if I still believe that. But if they get asked the question, but when was a time mm-hmm. you undeniably saw or felt or sensed uh, the divine? Uh, crash into your life <laughs> when when did you feel God was imminent uh, there people might have a this reaction of you know I almost don't believe this but there was this one time and I so these that. are the kind of the stories that we're after yeah, yeah. and uh, we knew that our friend Nathan had a story like that so so we haven't heard it we haven't heard it we're excited to hear it with you yeah that <laughs> in some ways was a good recap and the worst setup for Nathan possible. <laughs> Just <laughs> cold. Go ahead, Nathan. Not at tell all. us. No. Um, Nathan, let's do that better. Let's, let's talk about let's let's meet Nathan first. Let's meet Nathan. Hi. Nathan, tell us <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, let's see where to begin. Um, I uh, grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, huge sports fan always have been, uh, was a sports reporter, sports writer for about 10 years, uh, made a dramatic career change, uh, with a couple of years of coaching in the middle, uh, to become an accountant, uh, worked for an accounting firm here in Abilene for about 14 years. And then fortunately was offered a position at Highland Church of Christ as the accounting and HR administrator uh, a little over a year ago, that would have been, I think my first day was Labor Day weekend, right after Labor Day weekend in 21. So, yeah, been on the job a little over a year now, and, man, it's been so great. I've been so glad that I made this choice. Um, it's been so fun to to use my nerdy skills to uh, benefit uh, a church that I'm really passionate about um, personally. My wife, Shelly, and I, uh, we've just had our 20th anniversary. All right. Uh, we have three wonderful children. Uh, we have Heath, who's 11. We have Charlotte, who is eight. And we have Dylan, who is five. And, uh, yeah, big Longhorns fan. I get that, I think that sums it up. UT alum. Yes, indeed. Hook em. Um, Random question. Hit me. Um, that, that I think it's just going to help people get to know you better. Uh, if you were to choose one song to be the best intro warm-up song oh. for uh, for your life, maybe if like there's a specific song that uh, maybe you've used at a period in time of your life 
to be that warm-up song, maybe like for the Euless Trinity basketball <laughs> team. I Ooh. see where you're going with this. What's, okay. Uh, All right. Yep. Is it a back in black? No, no, that's way too hard. Uh, hardcore. We, you really, for my story, you really need to get into it with something more mellow, more kind of bluesy, uh, more kind of. S- set us up here. You're, uh, what, what's the year? You're starting. Like, okay. Trinity. Yes. Uh, uh, I, and in addition to being a sports fan, I enjoy partaking in sports as well. Have since I was a young man. Uh, I was on the varsity basketball team at U.S. Trinity High School. Go Trojans. Um, my senior year, 1991-92, and um, we placed one of our underclassmen in charge of putting together the mixtape. And yes, we are talking about a cassette tape. Uh, mixtape of just rocking, pulsing, pulsating, fire you up songs to play. Stuff that Nathan can 360 dunk. To. Pre-game warm-ups, Yes. If I had a tennis ball, I'd be able to dunk. But no, that's as far as I ever got. Um, so this kid seemed like he could pull it off. He loses the tape okay. uh, right before our home opener. Uh, what do we do? Well, uh, apparently we did nothing because uh, Mr. Schilly, uh, the German teacher <laughs> at Trinity High School, who also doubled as the uh, PA announcer slash ran the sound uh, for Trinity High School home basketball games, decided that in the absence of said mixtape, he would instead play one song on repeat <laughs> over and over again, which is what on repeat means, um, during the entire pregame warm-up session. And that one song, ladies and gentlemen, Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn, <laughs> which... I don't know how many of our listening audience have been to basketball games and listened to pregame music. Generally speaking, there's not a lot of piano intros to to those sorts of uh, songs. It's beautiful and reflective, yeah, and um, whimsical at parts. <laughs> yes, and uh, it's nothing to do with yeah, Euless Trinity. No, or basketball, or basketball, or. Really, it's very out of place. <laughs> very. But it, it it stayed the same the whole year. I don't know if at some point we approached Mr. Shilly about maybe, hey, we've got a replacement tape. Could we maybe? And he was like, no. Nope, so not just the one game. We're good. Oh, it was the whole season. All year. All Every home game for the 20, oh, sorry, uh, 1991-1992 season was accompanied by Mark Cohn and his dulcet tones on the piano. It's a beautiful that song. It's beautiful. I often wonder to this day how – basketball players from South Grand Prairie and uh, Irving Nimitz thought I wonder if they when the music came like on. Psychological yeah, thing. it's like the it's like, Iowa football team like painting the visiting locker room, locker room yeah. pink. Yeah, are they trying to lull us to sleep with this? Because uh, it's working. It's so peaceful. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only tack on I can give to that story is uh, I went to the Final Four with some guys from a small group. Uh, back in 2018, and we spent the night before in Austin, and we went to a karaoke place, and my friend David Pittman immediately went in and bribed the DJ with a $20 bill to move me to the very front of the list and sent me up there not knowing what song I was going to be singing. (laughs) And the opening tone started, and guys, I didn't need the lyrics. (laughs) It was all up here. And I... Killed it. All right. <laughs> I killed it. Uh, Ma'am, 
Tell me, are you a Christian child? Ma'am, I am tonight. <laughs> that's right. That's I, a great, that's a great uh, segue. Yeah. It is. God, God was talking to him in that. Yeah. In that wow. Wow. Unintentional. The undeniable great presence of God. Undeniable. That guy in, yeah. along the Mississippi River in Memphis. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, so um, tell us kind of um, what's what's the background of this story? Where, okay. where are you in life? Um, well, there's this is December of 2016. Okay. Uh, and I've alluded to this a little bit already, but there's two things to know about me. Mm-hmm. One thing is I'm a huge sports fan, as I mentioned before. The second thing is I am re- notoriously a cheapskate. Okay. Combine those two things, and that takes us on our path. Okay. So I found a Groupon. Is Groupon still a thing? I don't know. It was. Um, found a Groupon for Dallas Mavericks tickets. Um, and the added bonus that went along with this ticket is you got to shoot a free throw on the court wow. after the game wow. as part of the deal. Yeah. So obviously jumped all over that. Yeah. Bought two tickets for myself and my stepdad. Shout out Wes Johnson. Uh, he is a former college basketball player and now a uh, referee. Uh, I believe he was in the top five in the scoring of all time at Bryan College in wow. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know where Bryan College is? I've never heard okay, of Bryan yeah, College. Bryan College. Um, so, yeah, he and I went to the game. Um, I looked up the score <laughs> before we did this. and was like, God, what a god-awful game. Uh, it was the Mavericks were seven and twenty. Uh, they beat the Kings ninety-nine to seventy-nine. The Sacramento Kings were ten and seventeen. Dirk didn't even play. I didn't remember that, but it was That's a the, really terrible game. Yeah, I see why there was a Groupon. Yeah, they were begging people the... to come. <laughs> I think the next week the Groupon was you got to suit up. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say the next week <laughs> you got to shoot a free throw in the game. <laughs> yes. Uh, so game ends. Long line to the court. Uh, you come in. You look. Oh my gosh! You're on the. You're on the floor of the American Airlines Center my time came I get to the front of the line they toss me the ball bend the knees deep breath and I made the free throw right and that guys is how God (laughs) no no that's not the story I I promise it's there's more to it than that um so anyway uh it's time to leave uh going back to the car my stepdad gives me cash for his ticket and I put it in my pocket and we go our separate ways. He's going back to his place. I'm going uh, to spend the night at my dad's house uh, in Keller, which is like 30 miles away. And here's where things start to get interesting. All right. Um, of course, I like I said, I grew up in the Fort Worth Dallas area, so I know the area pretty well. As a suburb, suburban kid, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in like downtown Dallas, whatever. But I knew enough to, to get around. So... Um, you know, I don't need to map it. You know, come on. I, I got It's all right here in the yeah. back of my head, right? Um, so I leave, uh, take a wrong turn. Realize it fairly soon that I'm going the wrong way. I was like, no problem. All right, I know what to do. Uh, I know another way I can go. Take another wrong turn. So now I'm going the absolute wrong way on the interstate. I'm basically heading towards Oklahoma on 35. It's just, just not like me, you know, like I'm very precise and, you know, I know what I'm doing all the time. So at this point, I've made multiple wrong turns. I'm on the highway. Eventually, you know, I passed several exits before I finally, okay, I'm going to get off here, arbitrarily picked, you know, this exit. Took the UE and there's, that, there's a gas station. 
I was like, well, you know, I've used a lot of gas, you know, at this point, I probably should fill up. Um, so I pull in uh, to an available gas pump <clears throat> and like right in front of me, parked out kind of in front of the gas pumps near the front of the uh, gas station parking lot is this black SUV. And the first thing I notice as I pull up is the, the right, the, the right rear tire is just shredded, like not flat. Like, you know, you see those tires on the side of the highway. Yeah. Absolute total blowout. So, you know, I'm a, I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm pretty introverted generally speaking, unless I'm around, around friends like you guys, you know, an introverted white guy from the suburbs like me, it would have been very easy to just fill up my tank and head out, right? But for some reason, like, I just felt like I was called over to go over to that car. So I I walk up to the passenger window and just kind of ask if they, how they were doing, if they needed any help. Um, well, the guy says, you know, his tire blew out and he didn't have a spare, Um I can't remember exactly. I want to say they were on their way. Like they were, they had been traveling for a while and they were on their way to like Wichita Falls or something. So they still had quite a ways to go. They were from out of town. Um, so um, I think we asked somebody maybe in the parking lot or maybe we asked the store attendant like where some used tire stores were. I mean, this is like what, 10 o'clock on a weeknight, you know? So it's not like, you know, any, everything is open, you know, but there are some places that are open really late kind of in a not-so-great part of Dallas. So we found out where a couple of them were. But, you know, he didn't have a way to get there. So um, I, again, not really what I would do under normal circumstances, but I offered to, you know, drive him there. Like, um, so the, the, the woman stayed behind with the car, and I drove him to where these used car tire stores were, used tire stores were. And... Um, you know, we made small talk along the way. Nice guy. Don't remember anything specific from our conversation. Um, but we got there. They had a tire that fit. And I can't. they said it cost like 60 bucks, something like that. Well, the guy only had like 20 bucks. And so he's like $40 short. Who would like to guess how much cash my stepfather gave me <laughs> for his ticket? For the Mavericks game. That night. <laughs> <laughs> so I reach in my pocket and I pull out the cash that my stepfather had given me for the ticket. And it's exactly how much we needed to cover the rest of the cost of the tire. So uh, I gave him the money. He bought the tire. We drove back to the gas station. I, I took the shredded tire off of their, I, I jacked up their, their car. I took the shredded tire off and I put the new one on for him and, they, they were very thankful. They thanked me and they left. And other than telling that story to my stepdad on the way home, I hadn't really thought about it hardly at all until the staff development session we had here at Highland a couple of weeks ago with uh, what was uh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Root, yeah. where he talked about, you know, transcendental moments that we experienced that uh, is really, you know, the presence of God. And, you know, I... I just kind of wrote it off as, you know, the the cliche thing of, oh, it was just the right thing to do, yeah. you know. It was just, you know, right place, right time. I did what anybody else would have done, you know. Because, you know, I, but I took, I took at least two, maybe more, wrong turns that night. Mm-hmm. I passed several other exits that I could have taken. 
I happened to take this one. I happened to take the UE, and I happened to come across a gas station. Uh-huh. And somehow I had exactly the amount of cash in my pocket that he was going to need to get that tire to send them on their way. Uh-huh. So um, I don't know. It, it, it just Until we had that session, it always just didn't seem proper to, to say, oh, yeah, I was an instrument of God that night. You know, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me what to do. You know, it just seems so pompous, you know, yeah. to say something like that. Incidentally, if I may interject, pompous is the word that I missed to lose the uh, Bell Manor Elementary School <laughs> spelling bee. It still haunts me to this day. I'm trying to claim, I'm trying to reclaim that word by using it yeah. right now. Like but yeah, Ronnie Doyle got the best of me. <laughs> Second place. I had it and I choked. It's yeah. story of my life. I choked. Um, but I, I, I hadn't thought of that story for years until we had that session the other day. And I thought, you know, there, there's, there's more to that than yeah. coincidence and, you know, right place, right time and doing the right thing. I mean, yeah. there, that, there's, the, go ahead. The beautiful thing about that story is those people got in their car and they went on their way. I'm, I'm guessing that you've never seen them or have not know their names or Mm-mm. what they're up to. Or, Don't. Um, but one, they have a story of somebody who came out of nowhere and helped them in this time where they hadn't, they didn't know what to do and they were stuck on the side of the highway in Dallas. Um, and that's cool. The other thing is that you have a story about a time when you were not alone in the universe, mm. where you were part of a bigger plan. And that's a signpost for both of you. And I don't think we think about that as much in those stories when, uh, when you are the person who gets to do something mm. that it's just as beneficial in your kind of long-term spiritual walk as you go through these times where you go, what is hat? What is happening? Uh-huh. You know, what a, we're just on this big rock spinning around caught in the gravitational pool of this big star. What's going on? You have a signpost that you can point back to and remember, Oh no, there's, there's stuff at work that's more than coincidences. Yeah. I think about that with the story that I've told before about the ladies who just felt like I needed something happy to happen and took up a little contribution and put on my desk a a card with cash in it that just said, God loves you Mm. on the day that I got a ticket. And it was like the last straw Mm. that that was going to, that was, I was done. Wow. And, um, and they didn't know anything about it until I told that story in a Devo. And they said, oh, like God used us to, to pull somebody back from the brink. Wow. Um, and so I, God, it's important to tell these stories. Yeah. So I'm curious, Nathan, like at what point um, or at any point are you in this process going like, you know, this doesn't really feel like me. What am I doing here? Uh, what was it? Was it was it this um, sense of um, God feels close, and so I want to do this? Or how do you? Uh, part of the tricky thing of these um, stories is if we don't admit a little bit of like mystery, they can kind of sound a little chicken soup for the soul-y. Mm-hmm. And that, it's not, I think, what you're after here. And so, like, what? Uh, try to describe as best you can kind of the mystery happening there. 
Yeah, um, I guess speaking to that, I, I'm going back to that night, you know, right now and remembering how I felt. And I, I remember feeling just um, disoriented. I remember feeling um, just absent-minded, like, you know, um, I was... It, what, I, I didn't understand the decisions that I w- was making didn't make sense to me. I, I, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, my brain was cloudy. Like it was like, um, I mean, it was really weird. Like I'm usually so sure and certain in what I'm doing. And, um, it just, it seemed to, uh, I felt like I was just drifting along. Like, that I, that I was being, you know, led by something else other than my own initiative and my own decision-making process because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, that happens all the time, yeah. and you zone out, and you're thinking about something else, and then suddenly you realize you're going the wrong way, but um, I've had that feeling before, and, and it wasn't that feeling. Yeah. It was, it was something weird. It was something different. It was something... Um, yeah, there was it was there was some sort of different presence uh, about it. It reminds me of when Randy was talking about um, if you people people who don't spend any time to train their ears uh, to listen to God and yeah. then say I never hear from God and it's like well what do you expect? Yeah, if you're not if you don't want to hear from God, you know, chances are you might not. Yeah. yeah. Um. So to be open to to guidance in ways that you seek it and in ways that when it's happening, you don't go, shut up. No, I'm not going to approach this these strange people in a car that I've never met before. Uh-huh. They've got a phone. They're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you miss those opportunities both for them and for you to kind of solidify – you know, that something bigger is happening Yeah, in the world. I was certainly given a boldness that I didn't normally have to approach that car and to, to, to let, to put a guy in my passenger seat that I had met five minutes before and drive him across, you know, a seedy part of, you know, North, South Dallas, what North Dallas, whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, logically it makes no sense to do the things that I did. And but I, I felt an undeniable call to to do every to make every single one of those decisions that I made. And it's interesting you say, I'm going a little off script here, but I mentioned um, in the meeting that I've been on both sides of these. And so um, I have another story of being on the other end, mm-hmm. if that interests sure. you at all. Could easily be cut out because I'm... Um, so we go back a few more years. You go back like 2009, 2010, really rough time, uh, maybe even before that. Uh, let's just say somewhere in the range of 2007 to 2010. Um, Shelly and I have had two miscarriages. I'm working at a job that I detest. Um, I just feel trapped. I feel hopeless. I feel lost. I'm just deep in depression. And... Um, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I'm sure it was something kid-related, like an announcement that was made from the platform. 
and it was, it was just the last straw. It was too much for me. Mm. It was so painful because we'd been trying so long and so hard to have kids mm. and been unsuccessful. And I just, I got up and I walked out and I was just in tears, just mm. sobbing as I walked out of the, uh, sanctuary and went and sat down. Um, I, th- I want to say in the South foyer, uh, on like an old pew that was used to be out there and was just crying and, mm. you know, <clears throat> asking God why, and you know, why, why am I in this position? Why have you done this? And I'll never, ever forget. I feel a hand on my shoulder and I look up and it's a middle-aged man with gray hair down to about his shoulders. And, uh, I've never seen him before. Um, and we'd been at Highland for, you know, three, four, five years. Um, but he, you know, he comforted me. He kind of talked to me for a little while. Um, um, I mean, I don't remember anything specifically that he said, but I mean, it wasn't the cliches and the truisms that so many people fall back on in situations like that, but he was just there for me and he comforted me and he made me feel better to the point where, you know, eventually I felt like I could go back in Mm. to the sanctuary and finish, you know, church service. And then the, the amazing thing is I didn't see that guy again for the longest time, <laughs> like months and months and months went by and I would look around yeah. the sanctuary for him and I didn't see him. And I started to think that maybe he was an angel, like mm. he had just shown up and had been there for me. It was Greg Etter, but, um, <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, yeah. but, um, then uh, the amazing uh, kind of wrap up to the story is, um, there was a period at Highland where uh, we, uh, we did, uh, communion up front where you yeah. got in line and you, and you went up front to take communion and you know, you'd be blessed by whoever was passing it out. So this would, this would have been, um, 2011. So Shelly's pregnant with Heath, mm. uh, and she's showing and the two of us are in line and I'm in line facing the stage on the, on the kind of the right side, the right side aisle walking up towards the front. And I see him, I see Greg sitting there and he looks at me and he kind of points, he's like, you know, pointing at Shelly, oh, wow. you know? And when I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, mm. it, it happened. So the, the joy on his face, you know, with, even without words being spoken, you know, mm. it just, it was amazing. So I say that, to, and I mentioned this at our meeting that when you're on the, and you, you alluded to this already, Matt, when you're on the rece- receiving end of those moments, it's very easy to say that, oh, that was God. I mean, that was God in the form of Greg Etter through the Holy Spirit ministering to me, right? But when you are the instrument that's used, when you are the giver of such, of, you know, of God's goodwill and, and, you know, kindness, I don't know, maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but it's really hard to, as I mentioned earlier, to say, yeah, I was, I was God, Mm -hmm. you know? You were the hands and feet. But, I, but I'm curious, though, too, like, what do those two stories have in common for you? Um, well, I mean, for different reasons, they are, they are touchstones in my faith. Yeah. I mean, they are milestones in my walk. Um, um, they are moments I fall back on um, when I doubt, when I when I struggle, uh, 
even subconsciously maybe, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, have them written on a note card or anything, but those moments have further solidified, you know, my commitment to, to the God that, that loves us all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think like one thing I kind of hear you saying, and, and I appreciate how careful you're being about saying, you know, I don't, uh, I don't uh, want to position myself in the place of God, but it, to me, I hear you saying like, um, there's moments when the word of God uh, dwells among us, you know, or John one says moves into the neighborhood in the message translation. And uh, in my experience, there's moments when the air feels different and, <laughs> and God uh, has broken through time and space and and my faith is telling me whatever that is something here is different and uh that's that's what i hear you saying and i i'm curious about like uh in these stories and i want you to kind of respond to this like how we think about good news or even evangelism which are just synonyms like you have sometimes this kind of um really reductionist view of what evangelism is we kind of think about a guy on a street corner with a bullhorn saying spewing pretty nasty things but um good news is the same word as evangelism (laughs) and uh what i hear you sharing with us today are good news stories and so Mm -hmm. how do you kind of experience um god's arrival as good news either from someone else or or even you're you're embodying it yourself yeah yeah, when I think of evangelism, I think of the the guy in the suit on the TV asking for donations with yeah. the phone number at the bottom of the screen, right? right? So um, it's a shame that that word has been, you know, for lack of a better word, corrupted yeah. to uh, to make me think of that instead of a story like I shared. Because yeah, I think so many people are craving the presence of God. One of the yeah. biggest takeaways we got from that. Uh, staff development day and those kind of stories really um, cement the fact that there is a God around us and he is present and he is there for you and he is he is working for you through the people that you encounter you know the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God one of the beautiful things is that in practicing being the hands and feet of God to each other, like you experienced in, in church, in the pew, in the back of the uh, atrium, then it gives you the instruments to leave this place. And when you recognize that somebody was God to you, that somebody loved you in the name of God in a time that you were distraught, it kind of gives you the I don't know I don't know the right word the the ammunition the the stuff in your heart to be open to that as you leave um and I don't know that those two stories are directly correlated but um but in some ways they are yeah sometimes we are the recipient of God's love and sometimes we get to be a reflection of God's love yeah, and both of those stories get to be signposts in our faith that we point back to. There, there's something that Mike Cope said that Matt, you and I have talked about. It really stuck with both of mm-hmm. us when we interviewed Mike, and he talks about you know kind of uh, 
the development of churches, specifically Church of Christ, but I think it's probably a pretty good uh, metaphor for the development of, of an individual's Christian faith, too. You kind of start off by being against a lot of things. Um, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian because I'm not this and I'm not that. And then something might happen and you decide I'm going to be for somebody, but for somebody still doesn't really need that other person <laughs> to, to, and so now I'm going to go save them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear that, Nathan, in your story. What I heard you saying is that the last thing Mike says, you move from against to for to being with people. And, you know, I heard Greg Etter being with you, yeah. not trying to be for you, not trying to make it all right because it wasn't going to be all right. Nothing he said was going to make it all right. But he's just with you. And that actually is like the key word in the gospel, that God came to be with us. The thing that makes Christianity different than any other religion is that God was with us and mm-hmm. is with us. And in your story with the people that night, you were just with them. I mean, you just were kind of open to whatever they needed in a really humble, amazing way. And and by such strange circumstances, as you did such a good job <laughs> describing, it's that like um, the, the, the good news, the, the gospel that I think churches need to come back to and be all about is love and with yeah and if you can be with somebody in a loving way uh that's transcendent right that's that's god with us as we tell these stories where where that happens then i hope that you'll remember after you as as we listen to them and as we hear more of them that we'll remember as we go out that god's going to give us chances to be with people yeah all the time yeah and that in doing that, we're not the hero of the story. We, in a weird way that I think Nathan would testify to, get to look back on that as a moment where God came into, the, came into your life in a real way. And that, that memory becomes a thin space for you mm. where you point back and say, God was with me. Yeah. And anytime we get to have an experience where God is with me, whether we're on the receiving end, like you and Greg Etter, or whether you're inviting a person into your car to go buy a tire, those become important moments to us. Yeah. Nathan, I'm curious. I think this might be a good, a good um, question to end on. I'd love for you to have the last word. What's it like sharing the story? What was it like sharing the Greg Etter story? What's it like sharing the tire story? Um, kind of like reflect on the experience you just had. Well, um, I can, I can only imagine, you know, what little, if any impact it has on others. Uh, but retelling that story has a, an impact on me. Mm. Um, it, it reminds me because we, it's so easy to just get caught up in the day to day to get caught up in, you know, the things I need to get done today and, the, the soccer practice I have to get the kids to tonight and, you know, just be absorbed by the routine hmm. that we lose sight of, like I said, those touchstone moments, those milestone moments that um, affected us in such a profound way. And me retelling the story reminds me of them and it warms me inside. Hmm. You know, it, it, um, 
it fulfills me. I mean, I can only hope that it has a positive effect on others, but telling your own story of, of God's impact in your life um, just further cements the presence of God mm. in your life, I think. Great. Thanks for doing this, yeah. Nathan. Uh, I was moved by your stories. Uh, and I, yeah, it, it, it does something for me too to hear, you know, the ways that God is still active and transcendent and, and stepping into our lives all the time. So That's great. appreciate your vulnerability. You bet. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about, we're going to camp out here for a little while, I think on the podcast. Um, and so, yeah, Nathan, thank you so much. Um, it's not easy to be first. It's not easy to be vulnerable. And we appreciate you being both of those things. Sure. Yeah. Now, if only we could bring back the uh, candlelight service uh, mm. fire safety video. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's my only request. I would say that is such a deep cut that <laughs> anybody who's come in the last five years will not know what you're talking about. And, and only about 10% of the people who were at that Christmas Eve candlelight service We'll know what you're talking about. I know how we need to end this. Walking in Memphis. <laughs> Walking with my feet ten feet off a beal. Walking in Memphis. Yes. I feel but like I want to play really some feel the way I feel. <laughs> Layup lines, boys. <laughs> They've got catfish on the table. They've got gospel in the air. Glad to see you when you haven't got a prayer. But boy, you got a prayer in.